0: You're listening to Wiretap with Jonathan Goldstein on CBC Radio 1 and Sirius Satellite Radio 137. Today's episode, Why We Mistakes.
1: Monday. While eating takeout rigatoni at my work desk, I accidentally spill Parmesan cheese into the carpet, and now my whole office smells like when you're in grade 5 and the weird sickly kid in the class throws up. In Michael Chabon's novel, The Yiddish Policeman's Ball, the character of the Polish Grand Master says, The blunders are all there on the board, waiting to be made. He was speaking about chess, but he might just as well have been speaking about life. I imagine all the mistakes out there yet to come, some like unavoidable landmines, and others like plump, tempting grapefruits hanging from trees, which I shall willingly pluck." I briefly consider going off to find the janitor's closet to see if there might be some wood chips in there to throw down on the carpet and cover the smell. But instead, I just tuck my nose into my shirt collar and try my best to get back to work. Tuesday. Tucker shows up at my office unannounced. To what do I owe the pleasure, I ask. I needed a reason to put on pants, he says. Anyway, why is there a sheet of fabric softener in your garbage? I am reluctant to tell Tucker that it had been stuck to the back of my sweater for most of the day. When I finally found it there, it made me feel like I didn't have a true friend in the office. I brought it from home, I say, not entirely lying. It's like potpourri. A sheet of bounce and some orange peels in the trash can really sweetens up an office. Then why does the place still smell so bad, he asks, and I tell him about the Rigatoni incident. And did you use a waterlogged basset hound as a plate, asks Tucker, because the smell in here definitely has a twist of wet dog to it. I stare at Tucker, trying to decide whether it's better to be studied or ignored. Each can be painful in its own way. Wednesday while riding home on the bus, I pull off the headphones I've recently bought to readjust them. In so doing, I discover that, due to their open design, the backs of the earcups have been acting as speakers. What this means is that, unbeknownst to me, I've been sharing my music with everyone in my vicinity. The idea that a busload of strangers have been able to judge me for my musical taste, study me as I listen to Dancing Queen in the supposed privacy of my headphones, is mortifying. In a panic, I review a long list of the public humiliations I've endured since the purchase. I stop myself after thinking of yesterday's crowded elevator ride while listening to Eye of the Tiger for fear of inducing an anxiety attack. Private music made public, or a sheet of bounce stuck to your back like a kick-me sign, that's what makes living among humans such a challenge. Society is a bunch of people who can perceive you in a way that you cannot perceive yourself. This is what makes other people so scary, and yet so alluring. I put the headphones back on and continue listening to ABBA. I meet the gaze of the teenagers sitting opposite me. I tell myself that my new headphones are character-building and I try my best to believe it. Thursday. In the cafe, the waiter brings me a chicken sandwich on sourdough bread with mayonnaise. I'd ordered a turkey sandwich with mustard on whole wheat. When was it that carrying a notepad to write down orders became archaic, like carrying a dandy stick or Balenciaga hobo bag? I think that until waiters start writing things down again, I'm going to start giving my orders in rhyme, as a memory aid. Please don't think my rhyming quirky, and bring me wheat and mustard betwixt it turkey. This is how one becomes what is commonly known as a character. You start off just wanting to be helpful, and you wind up a minor player in a Dr. Seuss story. Friday In the midst of showering, I realize that I've been using the same bar of soap for about a month now. From this, I conclude that I am either A, in the midst of a Hanukkah-type miracle, or B, simply not scrubbing hard enough. There have been many failures in my life. Now I can add showering to the portfolio. I grind the soap into my flesh with sudden vigor to try and catch up. I am working towards something far greater than mere cleanliness. I am rubbing out an opponent. This is some serious old man-in-the-sea kind of stuff. You have been a worthy adversary, but annihilate you, I must. An hour and fifteen minutes later, I emerge from the shower. I am late for work, shriveled like a raisin, but nonetheless, oddly triumphant. Saturday. I just bought a new couch, and my mother is insistent that I get arm covers for it. Why, I ask. You'd be surprised by how quickly arms can rub out, she says. How quickly, I ask. Well, it takes twenty, thirty years, she says, but it happens, and when it does, you'll be sorry. I won't be sorry at all, I say. I'll feel a sense of accomplishment. By way of explanation, I tell her about the bar of soap from the day before, and how grinding it into nothingness through my own determination and perseverance was very rewarding. ''Who taught me how to shower in the first place anyway?'' I ask, ''because I don't think I've been doing it right all these years.'' My mother looks at me, glassy-eyed. ''Persian rug-makers are said to leave in one mistake on purpose. In this way, they can look upon their creation and be reminded that all things made by humans are imperfect. Yet this is what makes their work more valuable than if it had been made by machine. Persian rugs bespeak their maker's humanity.'' Just as my imperfections bespeak my mother's humanity, hers is an extreme humanity. For if I were a carpet, I would be possessed of more than just one mistake. I would be a knotted, unraveling carpet with cigarette burns and grape juice stains. Joe Hallinan, you wrote a book called Why We Make Mistakes. True. If we could just cut right to the answer. So why is it? Why do we make mistakes?
2: Uh, Long story short, people aren't wired the way they think they're wired, and that leads them to make a lot of mistakes that they wouldn't otherwise make.
1: And how do we think we're wired?
2: Oh, uh, any number of different ways, one of which is people think when they look at something that their mind takes a picture of it, that they get an absolute perfect photographic rendition of it. And it turns out that that's not the case, that you actually miss many of the things that you think you see. Uh, one funny uh, mistake involves the actor Burt Reynolds. Hey, yeah. Years ago, when he was relatively unknown, he walks into a uh, dark uh, bar, starts having a drink. The guy, a couple bar stools down, starts mouthing off to a young couple, and Burt Reynolds interjects, and pretty soon it he gets heated. And Reynolds notices the guy has pretty big shoulders, so he thinks he probably ought to take the first punch on the guy, so he hits him in the face and just knocks him off the bar stool. In fact, the guy goes flying through the air, and only then does Reynolds recognize the fact the guy has no legs. And we use that to illustrate the fact that people can look at a scene but not see some very important things that they should see.
1: So for once, Burt Reynolds was punching someone in the face not to be a jerk, but to actually illustrate some aspect of cognitive theory. (laughs) And, And so in answer to the question that the book's title poses, Why We Make Mistakes?, At the end of the day, is it just because we're dumb, and
2: in some instances, mustachioed? You know, we're not dumb. It's it's the interesting thing about human perception is that it appears to be economical, and we're able to sort through all the things in our day-to-day life very quickly. But one of the downfalls of that is you're not seeing things literally as they are, but as you've learned to expect they ought to be. Right. When we're kids, we tend to process information, like words in a book, very slowly, reading them literally one at a time, sometimes pausing to sound out the various sounds of the words. As adults, we learn to process information very rapidly, and that helps explain why we miss things like typographical errors, because you and I, when we read, Mm -hmm. we probably don't read every letter and every word, but rather we kind of skip around, get the gist or meaning of the thing, and move on. And in part, that's what enables us to be good at what we do because we have to assimilate a lot of information quickly. But the way we do that is by swapping accuracy for speed, and that's where the mistakes come in.
1: And so uh, what do you think we can do to make fewer errors?
2: Um, you know, there's some really simple things that people can do just in their day-to-day lives to make fewer errors. One of the most effective is just writing things down in a checklist form, just like you use when you go to the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Write down you need bread, milk, eggs. Just in... January, the New England Journal of Medicine published a study where they looked at uh, eight hospitals around the world where they had the surgeons just do one simple thing, which is use a checklist before they operated on people. And they found that when they just used a checklist, the surgical death rate fell by nearly half.
1: Huh.
2: Yeah, just writing things, and really basic things like check the name of the patient to make sure you're operating on the right person.
1: And, and for yourself, I mean, uh, what is your relationship to your mistake making. Is it sort of like an entomologist who's like just captured a butterfly? You know, I mean? Do you feel very like it's study. there for you to study, like ah, you know
2: it's, that's a very good way of putting it and I and I think that's true. I actually um I actually made one of those typographical errors in the website for the book. I dropped the word make, which is a very big word in a sentence about why we make mistakes. I missed it. My publisher missed it. All the people I'd read the the uh website missed it. Until one guy who happened to be an engineer from Ohio read it and said, You're missing a word in this sentence. And I went back and read it. Sure enough, the word make was missing. And I asked him, in an attempt to learn from my mistakes, How did you catch something that I missed? Uh-huh. And he said, Well, all my life people have told me that I'm a slow reader. And I thought, Boom, that's exactly right.
1: Huh.
2: <laughs> Why we mistakes?
1: Why we mistakes? Why
2: we mistakes?
1: Well, thanks for talking to me, Joe. Hey, my pleasure. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. It's hard to
3: face, but
1: Jonathan? Howard, what are you doing here?
0: What are you doing here? I work here. I'm in the studio. I'm about to record a monologue. That's similar for me almost, but not a monologue. I'm gonna be recording a, an interview. Oh, very important! Are interview. you? Mm-hmm. Are you? You've come down to the CBC mm-hmm. to record an interview. Indeed, in my studio. Yes, unannounced. Let's just say you're not the only individual who is the object of scholarly examination. What in God's name are you talking about? You know, people study art. You know, people study specific texts. Yes, or they'll they'll talk about a specific philosopher. Mm-hmm. That's me. Well, I'm intrigued, Howard. Uh, what, what A very, very lovely and intelligent graduate student, Natalie Hildebrandt. She is basically uh, going to be interviewing me, and I feel it's important to have my side of the story recorded for the Chackowitz Family Archives. And then what you're going to do is you're going to, how do you put it? You're, you're going to tech me. As I have First done all, for you several times before. Yeah, I'm not teching anything right now, okay, Howard? I'm about to record some... Let me some... see, what do you got here? What's your to record?
1: Could you give me that back, please? You're getting the papers all sticky. This is just gobbledygook. You have maple syrup on your hands. It's eating you up,
0: eh? What do you Your t- voice is just buttered with envy. Howard, it is not. It is. It's it is. spread on thick, Howard, caloric, I am... schmaltzy envy.
1: So what, she like heard you on Wiretap, is that
0: it? She heard you on my radio program and... There was some. She, I think she was in school and right. talking about the importance of my role in some in some what some what a, show or something that some I'm show. A part what, of. How else would she come to know of you? Well, very well known. In what? As a matter of fact, I remember when we were talking about mm-hmm. it, she would keep referring to it as as my radio show, your radio show. Yeah. Uh huh. And it's funny, your your name never really came up, which is which is odd. Yes, it is. Yeah, that's odd. I just think it's wonderful. I mean, someone came to their senses and basically saw that I was fit for study. Well, you're fit for observation, that's for sure. I think so, yeah. yeah. No, we both agree on that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can refer to her as a Howard Chakwitzologist, if you will. Right. So basically uh, an in-depth study of Howard Inechniel Chakowitz, Nechatskovich which etymologically uh, speaking, I believe... Uh, Didn't you
1: once tell me that, uh, what is that, Polish for village
0: idiot or we, something? We thought it meant village haymaker, uh, quite the difference mm-hmm. there. But now we realize it is son of Ezekiel, I see. who's a biblical figure.
1: And what exactly is her field of study?
0: Zoology? John, I don't really have time for your, for your nagging questions. We really got to get this going. She's going to be calling me like in about five minutes. Calling you where? Here. I gave her the number to the studio here. We're going to do this right here, right now. So just get to the other side over there, the production side, and just get to teching. Okay,
1: if this is going to get you out of here sooner than later, mm-hmm. fine, I'll go
0: and I'll tech yeah. you. How does it feel, by the way? How does what feel? You know, walking away with your tail between your legs.
1: Howard? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay, now, Howard, you will be able to hear my voice. Right. She won't be able to hear me, Okay, okay? I know
0: the routine, John. I've been on the other end several times.
1: Okay, I'm in your headset, okay?
0: Quite frankly, I have no idea why you would be.
1: Well, I'm just here if you need any help, okay?
0: It's funny, there's a kind of a sense of loneliness being in this studio all by myself. I see why you're so miserable and surly, all alone in this big, empty studio nothing but your own stench.
1: All right, Howard, the phone is ringing. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Get okay. that, get that.
0: Answer's my secretary. I am not
1: answering as your secretary. Answer's my secretary. Howard, you're talking too loud, okay? You're going to pop.
0: Pop, pop, pop music. Pop, pop. Howard, lower Peter your Peter Pepper, record. pick the pepper, pick the peppers. Pop tarts, pop tarts. All
1: right, she's, I'll put her through. Ms. Hildebrand, I'm, I'll patch you right through to Mr. Chakowitz.
4: Thank you very much. <clears throat> hello? Hello, uh, Mr. Chakowitz.
0: Hello, hello, Miss Hildebrand. How are you?
4: Oh, I'm fine, thank you. How are you? D-
0: d- delighted. Delighted to be talking with you.
4: Oh, and I'm delighted to be talking with you as well. Do you mind if I record this conversation?
0: Not at all, not at all. Would it bother you if I recorded this conversation?
4: Oh, um, no, not at all.
0: Thank you. Let me just get my, my techie to uh, to just clue in.
4: It's recording, okay. Howard. Are you, are
0: you eating over the board? I'm not eating over yeah, the board, Yeah, I mean, a, a little decorum. This is a professional position. I'm sorry, Ms. Hildebrand. Uh, let, let's begin.
4: So, uh, Mr. Chackowitz, how long and in what capacity have you been performing on Wiretap?
0: It's a very, very interesting question. Performance. When it comes to performance, uh, Ms. Hildebrand, uh, I guess if I may quote the bard, The entire world is a stage, so um, one can say I've been performing my entire life, and wiretap is just a little addendum to that.
4: The Bard, right. Um, And what is your age and date of birth?
0: Well, a lady never tells. (laughs) No, I'm a very youthful 40.
4: And um, tell me about your, your diet on the average day.
0: My diet on the average day. Well, I try to stay fit. I've um, Howard. Is
4: she a medical
1: student? What, Why is she uh, asking you about your diet? What
0: what what field of study are are you in uh, exactly?
4: I'm a psychology student.
0: Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Well, what was the question again? about my diet, right? Well, I'm uh, I'm quite fond of uh, of uh, food from the Hellenic community. I, I do enjoy uh, um, souvlaki, which is a, a kind of skewered meat. Mm-hmm. Snickers bars. I've always been. Um, Pichet, for me.
4: And uh, what kind of uh, books do you like to read? I
0: mean, I read Mark Twain. He was very good. Jack London. Howard, you read those
1: books in grade nine.
0: But these days, you know, because I'm I'm more of a visual person, I truly enjoy a good comic book. Comic book. Keeps me rooted to my childhood.
4: What would you consider your employment status at present?
0: Um, <clears throat> Howard,
1: your forehead is starting to beat up with sweat.
0: Well, um, I mean, I'm I'm here to live. You know, I wasn't put on this earth really just to to toil and and concern myself with with finances and whatnot. Just tell her you're unemployed, yeah, Howard. She's not stupid. I'm functionally unemployed. You know, by by the man's standards. But but basically, I uh, I get jobs here and there. I have a paper route. Oh, uh, way that, to wow her there. Well, <clears throat> it's t- terribly warm in here. I'll, let's move on.
4: So um. How did you meet uh, Mr. Goldstein?
0: We were school chums. Oh. Um He was kind of the sad child in the schoolyard, and I felt it my duty to befriend him being the more stocky and popular student.
4: So you went to a regular school?
0: Uh, as opposed to... Uh,
4: oh, I, I'm sorry, I just...
0: Oh, you meant a gifted school. Um, I know, I, my my parents kept me, kept me real.
4: Um, and is Mr. Goldstein your legal guardian?
0: Um... You mean to say, does he take care of my, my legal matters?
4: I mean, uh, is, he your, is he your guardian? Does he sort of take care of you? W-
0: well, uh...
4: uh you I- know, making sure that you uh, are housed and fed, uh... Don't you um, find
1: it a bit odd, her line of <clears throat> questioning? Or,
4: or do you get some kind of subsidy from the government?
0: Uh... No, nothing of the sort. I, I uh,
4: would you please just ask yeah.
1: her uh, what her field of academic inquiry is.
0: Oh, just a, a side note I have to myself here, just so I have it for uh, for the record. What exactly is your academic field of inquiry?
4: My academic field of inquiry.
0: Yes. What are you What are you writing?
4: Well, I'm working on my thesis, uh, and I'm playing with a couple of titles. Mm-hmm. You know, something like. Uh, Howard Chakowitz and the Reinvention of Adulthood, a Rhetorical Investigation into the Prolonged Adolescence of the Postmodern Male. Mm-hmm. Or, or even something simple like uh, Howard Chakowicz's Canadian Man-Child.
0: Ooh, well, my, my name is right in there, right in the title of these essays. Howard, listen to me. Miss um, Hilda I'm so sorry. That my techie is... Um, Do you understand
1: of, uh... what this woman's writing about?
0: Yeah, she's writing about me.
1: Yes, she is writing about mm-hmm. you. She's writing about you as a cultural phenomenon.
0: I am a cultural phenomenon. You
1: haven't understood a single word that that woman has said to you, I understood
0: you? everything this person's saying to Howard,
1: Howard, she referred to you as a man-child.
0: Because I'm youthful, Jonathan.
1: Hey, Howard, you don't have to answer these questions anymore. I'm coming in there.
0: Um, I... John, what are you doing? You're not supposed to be here...
1: Ms. Hildebrandt? Yes. Uh, this is know. Jonathan Goldstein.
4: Oh, Mr. Goldstein, I'm so glad you've joined us.
0: Oh, are you? I don't really know what you're doing here. You should be tucking on the okay, Howard, on. just sit back uh, for a minute, okay? I, you're embarrassing me in front of Natalie. Uh, here, Howard, did I show you my new keychain? Oh, I, there's has a little monkey on there. Yeah, here you go, Howard. You
1: just play with that for a minute. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, Ms. Hildebrandt? Mm-hmm. What are these questions you're asking, Howard?
4: I'm writing a paper uh,
1: on Mr. I, I Yeah, I, I heard this paper that you're writing about the man-child. That's right. I mean, I'm just listening to this on the other side of the glass, and, oh. I, and I feel like I just have to step in. Because oh. I, I don't think that Howard's entirely aware of
0: what the nature of your research is. John, I— I'm Sorry to interrupt, but I think that, you know, if, if you put a battery in here on this keychain, the monkey's eyes light up. Howard, just don't jiggle that right now.
4: You know, this is actually great because I'm actually attempting to fit you into a subsection of the paper that deals with the enabler of the man-child, which is also known as the, the Wendy syndrome in relation to the Peter Pan syndrome.
1: Excuse me? What is, What is that supposed to mean?
4: The overprotection of parents can lead children to develop... The Peter oh. Pan syndrome, it usually affects dependent people who have been overprotected by their families and haven't developed the necessary skills to confront life.
0: Well, I have a question that Ms. Hildebrand, yes. so then who would be, say, Captain Hook? H- Howard, wh- one moment, okay? Hang on a second. Look,
4: you're doing it right now. What am I doing? You're, you're a classic enabler. I mean, it's documented in all kinds of studies. Okay. By being Howard's guardian... No,
1: I am not Howard's guardian, number one. I'm not... Yeah, it is true, John.
0: You've stunted my development.
1: Excuse... Howard, I... How can I grow?
0: How can I grow?
4: I came in here
1: to
0: defend you. You came in here to enable me, John. What am I enabling you to do? Natalie?
4: Well, if I could just interject, uh, Mr. Goldstein, we're talking about someone who constantly disrespects your possessions, your home, your credit card. He doesn't seem Mm. to be able to hold down any job. Uh, He Mm. believes that a bat is a bird. Mm -hmm. Uh, His diet is that of a 12-year-old whose parents are on holiday. Mm -hmm. And you're enabling this behavior.
0: So very well put. It's, It's almost like you know me better than I know myself. I just, um, just as long as we have the moment, what are you, what are you doing this, this Friday, Miss Hildebrand?
4: Howard, excuse uh, me. Oh, this... um, well, I'll be transcribing the tape of, of this conversation.
0: Hmm. Perhaps I could uh, keep you energized with some Greek treats, a, a souvlaki, a little baklava. Howard,
4: I that would be w- excellent actually if you could be here around 7
0: 7 would be delightful
4: do you think you could bring a blood sample Wait, I happen
0: you, to have several handy
4: and um, if you could bring some of your uh, report cards
0: from, It'd be, it would be my pleasure
4: and uh, just tell the doorman that you're Ms. Hildebrand's work sample mm-hmm. and he'll, he'll let you write off
0: Howard what are you doing what am I doing? Do you hear what she's... Do? She's
1: she's using you as a guinea pig.
4: See, Mr. Goldstein, this is your classic controlling oh. behavior. You're not oh. allowing Mr. Takowitz to have a right. life on his own, to make his that's own right. decisions. What, what are right. you
1: talking about? He can't make any decisions on his own.
4: Well, he certainly can't if you keep making them for him.
1: That's right, John. You know what, Howard? If this is what you want, good luck to you. This is this what Howard. I want. Okay,
0: great. Thank Ms. you. Hildebrand, I like to grow. He's all yours. Oh, Miss Hildebrand, I'll, I'll make yeah. sure to bring some some candles. Uh huh. And maybe a little champagne.
4: Oh, that would be great. Mm-hmm. And uh, How about some some baby photos, uh, family albums?
0: Certainly. Uh, do you like oysters?
4: Sure, sure. How about some results from your recent physicals? Sure. Have you had an MRI recently?
1: Hello. Hi. Oh, hey, Gerard.
3: Hey, how are you?
1: I'm I'm good. How are you doing? Good. Yeah, what's what's uh what's up?
3: I was just watching ESPN and you never know what's going to flash up these days. Huh. You usually have baseball, football, soccer, hockey, whatever's new today, but now yeah. you have professional eaters.
1: Prof What 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 is that exactly?
3: Well, there's this MLE, Major League Eating, a league of people in kindergarten who decided instead of medical school or law school They were going to eat 45 hot dogs in 15 minutes.
1: And this is a sport now?
3: It is. It is a sport as which the nation has come consumed with. Uh But someone who shoves hot dogs down the store for a living should seriously have Pepto, Bismol, or Advil stocks. (laughs) But even more than the eaters are the umpires.
1: They have umpires at these events?
3: Yes, they do. These are people who go to their daily jobs and look in a tank of vomit.
1: What these guys like? Look at it in like. What happens
3: is well, after the guy regurgitates, they have to measure the vomit so that they know how many hot dogs he's lost.
1: Uh huh.
3: I mean, could you imagine yourself saying, "Oh, three, four, ho, ho! That looks like the remnants of a bun."
1: <laughs> Gerard, h- how old are you?
3: Twelve, twelve and a half.
1: You know you're uh, you're really you're really a funny kid. Funny how? Like. You know you make me laugh you're you're very funny what do you mean i mean you're just you know you're f- fu- you're a funny guy that's all
3: funny like a clown like a guy who makes people laugh that's a clown i i guess so like Bozo? No. You think God put me on this earth no, so Ger- John Goldstein could be humored by me? So I could make him laugh?
1: That's not what I was intimating.
3: Am I here to amuse you?
1: Uh, I... No, uh...
3: What, are you kidding me? You thought that was serious?
1: Ger- you you Gerard, you really had me going there.
3: Well, I think a monkey on a leash could have you going.
1: You were just busting my chops.
3: <laughs> I'm cool saying I'm funny, though.
0: On Wiretap today, you heard Howard Chakowitz, Natalie Carnief, Gerard Tuckey, and Joe Hallinan, author of Why We Make Mistakes. Wiretap is produced by Jonathan Goldstein, with Mira Bertwintonic, Carolyn Warren, and Crystal Duhame. Tune in to Wiretap Sunday at 1, 4 Pacific Time, and Wednesday evening at 11.30. Reach us through our website at cbc.ca slash wiretap, where you can download the latest Wiretap ringtone. Pop, pop, Peter Piper pick the pickle, pick the peppers, pop tarts, pop tarts, pee. Let those pesky peas pop with every ring of your phone.